Hello, listeners. This is David Blakesley welcoming you to a special episode of Criterion Cast, in which I have the uh, very enjoyable privilege of speaking with noted film critic and director Kent Jones. Uh, Kent Jones is a familiar name to anyone who's been spending a fair amount of time uh, browsing the content of the Criterion Collection, uh, best known as one of their uh, prolific essayists and contributors. Uh, via the written word to the packages that Criterion puts together. Uh, Kent Jones has also done uh, some directing in recent years. We'll talk a little bit about some of those productions as we get into it. But the main purpose of this interview is to publicize his upcoming film, Diane, which is slated for release very soon and hopefully will be coming to a theater near you, and uh, which I really encourage you to check it out. I want to thank Josh Brunsting for uh, coordinating this and for passing along the contact information uh, so that I could go ahead and and, uh, have this conversation. And I also want to thank Ryan Langer, who uh, was the facilitator on Kent Jones's end, to get the two of us talking. Um, So I won't say a whole lot more. Hopefully the interview will speak for itself. I do want to say that uh, the audio quality may be a little bit on the marginal side. Uh, We used uh, Kent's side of the recording, so my voice comes through a little tinny, it seems, at least to my ears, but that's okay. Uh, It was a good conversation, a little bit briefer than I wish we had had uh, more time to uh, explore his his work, his career, and just uh, more of that behind-the-scenes type of stuff, but I really did enjoy the opportunity to get to know Kent a little bit and to have him tell us about this latest project of his. Uh, Diane, starring Mary Kay Place, and uh, distributed by IFC Films, and a very uh, very poignant look at uh, life in America these days. So uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation. Thanks. Kent, let me just say this. It's a real honor for me to speak with you. I'll, I'll just start off by saying I'm a big Criterion collector, podcaster, blogger, and I've really enjoyed your many essays and contributions to the collection over the years. So oh, it's a real treat for me to have a minute to uh, to hear uh, what you've been working on lately. And uh, definitely thank you for giving me this opportunity to kind of pick your brain a little bit and hear about uh, Diane. Happy to do it. Uh, yeah, definitely. So I, I've had a chance to watch it uh, twice now, and uh, yeah. thought it to be a very moving experience. Uh, there's a lot in it that I can relate to. Mm-hmm. But I just want to kind of give listeners a chance for you to introduce them to the film and uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what inspired it, uh, what what uh, pushed you into making this project happen. What inspired it was just my desire to put on film a side of life, I suppose I would say, or a side of my own experience that I wanted to just transmit that's where all the movies that I care about come from. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I just watched, you know, the best years of our lives again. It's, it's, it's a film that moves me more and more every time. And, you know, in that film, it's just William Wyler, when he came home from the war, he really, you know, that's what he, he was moved to make that film to, in, in large part, apart from the official side of it, to just like give presence to what he had been through himself. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. what he had recognized in the other people, in, in people who had gone to war. 
even more extensively than he had. And so, you know, I, I, in my case, it was just, you know, this world that I grew up in, this, this matriarchal world of my great aunts. And that's where it started. Yeah, I, I read some of the uh, press notes. So this is a story that's been kind of gestating in you for a long time. You yeah. can even go back to your childhood. Yeah. Maybe we can just summarize the film a little bit. Uh, do you want to do the honors? Uh, how would you kind of give a little nutshell description of Diane? I suppose it's a film about a woman who defines herself as one who cares for others. That's who she is. She's just always there bringing food to people, caring for her aunts, driving them from place to place, her cousins, her friends, and then most of all, going and spending time with her cousin, her, her most beloved cousin, Donna, who's, who's very sick with, with um, cervical cancer, and then also taking care of her son, who's an addict, and who's going through the motions of pretending that he's not an addict, like most addicts do. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and waiting, just kind of like seeing him relapse over and over again and expecting that he could OD at any moment, but she's still going to show up and do his laundry. At a certain point, everything changes and she's put in a position where she's losing her, where all the, both of those things change and she has to actually confront what she hasn't, which is herself and to really see herself and to see her own solitude and then really to maybe just a little bit start forgiving herself. Yeah. Yeah. I I was really struck by the, the ordinariness Uh, and maybe because I live in the Northern climate, I live in West Michigan and grew up in a family situation, not that different than what's depicted on the screen. I just felt like this was a sampling of of my world and and the life I've lived and and been surrounded by people, a very similar temperament and and attitude and experience. And and that ordinariness I think is a great point of accessibility. and, And yet you see in that very ordinariness, uh, some devastating things happening yeah. uh, that uh, you know in the in the course of day to day life it doesn't really sink in until you take that step back and say wow what's really going on here yeah I mean you know the interesting thing about drama dramatic form and and dramatic form within cinema is you have to do things. You can't just put, you, you can't just, you know, um, I mean, you can, you know, write a, and, and make a film where that's nothing but like ordinary moments, but then it doesn't transmit what's happening within the ordinary moments. It just transmits the fact of ordinariness within, mm-hmm. within ordinary life. Every given moment is, is alive. And so you have to do things that are going to orient dramatically, that are going to orient the audience's vision, I think, in the direction of that, that point that can, that can put them in the direction of what is poignant about ordinary life. I mean, I'm being convoluted here a little bit, but it's, <laughs> kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. sort of like, you know, in a Hitchcock film, you become acutely aware in, 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 you know, North by Northwest or something, you know, to take an example of the way that like life is lived by a cosmopolitan playboy circa 1959 in New York, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the kinds of places that he goes to the way of talking, et cetera, et cetera. That's because the movie's a thriller. <laughs> um, and it points you toward, it, 
it, and, and in order, it, it, the two things reinforce each other, you know? So I don't know. I think yeah. There's a, there's a certain glamor and there's a kind of a, uh, a staginess. I mean, it's, it's brilliantly crafted. It's engaging. It's thought provoking. Uh, but it is kind of a stepping into a life that's exotic and, and not exactly like our own. Right. I mean, there's people out there who maybe live something like that, but the stylization, uh, is just another another way of experiencing and enjoying cinema, mm-hmm. but but this here just really felt like a, a, a very vivid slice of life, and yet, you know, the stakes are just as high. These are matters of life and death. Uh, these are matters yeah. of uh, you know how are we going to work out these complexities and, and this brokenness within our relationships. So all all the elements of, of high drama are there, despite the very mundane and everyday kind of setting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I was really just, like I say, moved by the applicability. I, I work in mental health as my profession mm-hmm. and I, I really, you know, resonated a lot with both of the kind of the main plot lines, if you will, here, the, uh, the story of Diane and her cousin, Donna, I mean, their intimacy and their closeness, you, you could think of them almost as sisters. Yeah. And then the, uh, and then the angst that she's going through with her son and, and, uh, his denials and his, you know, very, you know, clumsy and shabby attempts at evasion and deception. And, uh, you know, he, he can't help but give the game away. And yet she's, she's been through this drill before he's been through rehab. Uh, she's looking at doing it again, but is that going to make a difference? What's going to turn this around? And, And even, even the, uh, you know, the resolution of that, I actually found very, uh, compelling because I've seen stories, uh, similar to his, I've seen those narratives where yeah. there's kind of a sudden intervention, and uh, <clears throat> even some of the even some of the criticism. Maybe some people thought, "Well, does that really happen?" I, I have seen that happen. I didn't feel like that was a a stretch or a leap at all. So, well, where people become a born again Christian, or yes, they, exactly the, the spiritual clean. element, and it just kind of it's like a, a switch gets flipped. And are yet, you a are you a caseworker? Uh, I, I am not currently, no, I'm in administration now, but I've certainly yeah. been very involved in mm-hmm. lots of treatment in, in residential and outpatient and all of that. I mean, you know, I just know from personal experience with my, a very close friend of mine who was an addict that, you know, he stopped taking drugs, but that the addiction continues. Um, yeah, it's just transferred to something that's maybe a little less... Uh, physically toxic, you know, it may have other ramifications in relationships. And, and I think you very yeah. uh, adroitly typify that, you know, you, you portray the kind of strains that, you know, it may be in, in some sense an answer to prayer, but <laughs> there are further complications uh, after the conversion. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so tell me a little bit about the setting too. And uh, this is filmed, uh, you know, Massachusetts area. I mean, there's, there's, uh, references to the Cape and, and some yeah. significant moments that happen out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what led you to set the film in, in that particular location? I grew up in Massachusetts. I grew up in the Berkshires. It's western Massachusetts. It's as far west as you can get. It's right on the border of New York State. Um, and then my aunts and cousins lived in the center of the state in towns like Three Rivers and Munson and Palmer, Belchertown. Um, so it's a sort of a mix of the two things. We did not, as it happens, shoot there. We shot in New York State, but we shot mm-hmm. so close to Massachusetts. For this story, I felt like it was fine because it's the same part of the world with the same kind of feeling. The landscape is a little 
different, but it's equally dramatic. You know, I mean, I had a hell of a time finding a forest with pine trees. That was insane. Um, but I finally did, but you know, um, it was, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, it's the part of the world that I grew up in. And for mm -hmm. me, you know, we were able to, our window opened up in winter time and that was fine with me because, um, for me, when I think of, uh, growing up, I think of winter. Well, you know, we're recording this on the first day of spring, and here I am in Michigan, and there's pretty thick, juicy snowflakes drizzling down yeah, past my yeah. window. So, yeah, I, I, and I, I think that, that, again, kind of grounded the film, that this is very, very quotidian. This is very working class, uh, you know, the daily lives of people just kind of, you know, getting through it and, and having a certain sense of endurance through it all. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask about the driving shots. Yeah. Uh, there, there are several passages and it becomes kind of a motif running through the film. Yeah. And I, and I love those, those, those road shots and not anything in particular. Each one kind of has its own sort of gravity. I really enjoyed that. Well, what was the thinking behind those particular shots well on the one hand it's a matter of realism in the sense that when you live in that part of the country that's what you're doing uh, to get from place to place and you're driving down the same back roads back and forth back and forth you know and as you do it it becomes very meditative um i think also it did become um as the film goes on it it, it obviously turns into something else um <laughs> But I think it kind of turns into something else when you're just actually driving, too. You kind of become one with the car um, and with the road. Uh, yeah, it introduces these kind of contemplative passages, these transitional moments. She doesn't just go from spot to spot. She's got to sort of think it over. What's she going to see? What's she going to say? Yeah. What's going to happen when she arrives at that next destination? I, I really love the pacing. I think it, it has that kind of calming and engaging uh, reflective affect oh, on the great. viewer. Certainly that's how I experienced it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I... I... I'm very happy to hear that. Cool. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the cast. Mary Kay Place. I uh, I was a kid when Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman came on, and I remember her role as the country singer, and she's uh, had, certainly had a pretty productive career. Uh, how did this relationship form? Uh, she's such a crucial character, I think, very deserving the titular character of the film, Diane. I think she's probably in just about every scene, or if she's not no, on she's, camera, she's... she's off, you know, to the side talking to yeah, somebody. Yeah, she's not probably in every scene. She is in every scene. She, uh, okay. You know, she's, um, I wrote it for her and only her. Yeah. Uh, I, it's conceivable that she could have, when, when, you know, I told her about it when I first met her about what I had in mind, and then it took a few years before I actually wrote the first draft. It's, it was conceivable to me that she might not have liked it and I would have had to go to somebody else, but I, I you know, it was for Mary Kay. And, um, and the reason it was for Mary Kay was as I, when I was young and I, you know, I saw Mary Hartman too a lot and I liked, you know, New York, New York starting over big chill, but I wrote it for her because of the rainmaker and the performance that she gave as the mother of the dying boy. Uh, and I, at the time that I saw it, I thought, well, when I make that movie, I'm doing it for her because of the way that she embodied the, 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 what she carried in that movie emotionally felt completely in harmony with my, my family. 
And, and so many of whom were still alive at that point, you know, and, um, uh, so, you know, I told her what I had in mind and we worked very closely together. We're very good friends, you know, now, but we worked closely together on the movie. I would imagine you would bond quite a bit because her performance is, is so nuanced. I mean, there is this compassionate heart, this giving nature to so much of what she does. And yet there's this churning, especially as the yeah. events of her life become, you know, more complicated. Uh, she sees that her giving, you know, doesn't exactly guarantee certain results. And uh, the, the stress fractures start to reveal themselves and, you know, eruptions from the past and, and, you know, issues that, that in some ways need to be addressed, if not fully resolved, just become, you know, all too hard to ignore. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, nobody can be sweetness and light all the time. That's a, that's a, a, an illusion that we carry with us from childhood. Nobody can escape having emotions and emotional reactions, uh, and getting angry. It's life. You know, it's it's what happens, and and so I. And she really got into the marrow of that stuff. I mean, you know, and I, you know, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is that exchange between her and Andrea Martin when they're out to dinner, and she she, you know. Blows up at Andrea, and Andrea tries to figure out how to get to the next moment, <laughs> you mm -hmm, know, what to mm -hmm. say, and I, I really I love that, and uh, you know, also when. When, when Diane is, is with her son and she's trying to, you know, he's saying you have to trust me and she, you know, probably for, you know, for the 9,478th time she's saying to herself, okay, I'm going to say that I'm going to trust him, but I'm not, but I know that I can't, you know, and she gets yeah, angry yeah. at herself as she's saying it through gritted teeth. I, I really love that moment. You know? He's trying to sort of, turn the tables and impose a guilt trip on her. It's, it's a classic uh, yeah. demonstration of deflection. It's, but uh, you know, you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you, and you mentioned earlier kind of uh, this matriarchal family. And, you know, there are male characters. Obviously, we've talked about her son, but there's a few other guys kind of on the fringes. But this is very much a, a female-driven drama. Yeah. And I wondered what your thoughts were just on the role of women as caretakers in these family systems and the, the burdens and pressures they have to juggle as they, you know, again, try to bring that support and that comfort and that, uh, you know, that expression of love into, into people's lives. And yet who's compensating for them, who's taking care of them. Obviously there is no, uh, partner in her life. She's a single woman at this point, the yeah. boy's father, he, he passed away. There's a, right. A little that's revealed pretty early on, yeah. but yeah, she's she's been alone. She has not really had other than the companionship of friends, but yeah. and who's been pouring into her? Yeah, I know. Um, I think that that <clears throat> it's the burden, but it's also the lifeline. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. um, so that you're afraid to. It's driving you crazy, and you're afraid to give it up at the same time. You're afraid that, you know, if you stop being a caretaker, people are going to not like you anymore, um, that everything, that the world's going to fall apart. Um, you know, my wife would actually say that there's a lot of Diane, that there's a lot of me in the character, I guess, 
you know, mm. to a certain extent that's true. But it's it's something that I I wrote it right after my mother died, and I must say that I I realized as we were editing the movie that I could not have written it before. So, mm. um, there's a, there's a lot of her in the movie too. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm feeling your heart coming through in all of this. This is now. This is a new direction for you as well. Obviously, we've already alluded to your career as a critic, and uh, you've also been directing the New York Film Festival for a number of years, and you've done some documentary work. Uh, yeah. One of your films, the uh, the Val Luton documentary, is a supplement on the Cat People disc for Criterion. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Hitchcock True Foe came out a few years ago to bring that very consequential volume of writing to life. I, I really enjoyed that. That was extremely rewarding uh, study there and, and, and very engaging and very entertaining as well. But uh, so documentary has been a little bit of a comfort zone for you. Now you're moving into narrative film. Uh, how's yeah. that experience been for you? Well, I didn't want to have a comfort zone anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, when I showed, um, you know, Arnaud Desplechans, a, a, a very close friend of mine. And when I showed him, um, the Val Luton movie, which is called Man in the Shadows, he wrote me and he said, you know, I, I, he said, I really like the film and it's interesting because it's almost like you're the man in the shadows, mm. you know? And I, I, you know, when you're making a narrative film, you, you do not have, there is nowhere to hide. You, you can't, if you do, you're not in it all the way. And I know that there are a lot of movies that are made by people who do hide. Um, I was not interested in making one of those. Some of them are perfectly good, you know, I mean, it's like, but you always know when you're watching one. And um, that meant that on the one hand, uh, I did have a day when I got on the set and I was just like, oh my God, this is just the machinery of this. I don't know if I'm really up for this. And then I, and then I quickly said to myself, but that doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter how I feel. I have to go ahead and just do it. And so that feeling quickly dissipated. But then also, I think you have to just like respond to everybody all the time. All the time. You, you just have to be there. You have to be present. You have to be alive to the moment and to what's happening in front of the camera. And, you know, if, if something that you think is going to be amazing if you have a better idea or if something changes and you have to just respond to that and at every moment of the, of the process. Um, so yeah, it's different. Well, yeah. So you're working with actors and they are, um, you know, doing their thing. It's a different, uh, situation than assembling pieces from a historic event or splicing old footage together for a documentary. Well, let me just ask, uh, you know, where's this film headed? You know, what kind of distribution are we going to get? And, uh, how are viewers going to be able to access this film? Uh, what's uh, in the near future for Diane? Well, IFC is distributing it and it's opening in a week. <laughs> um, okay. Well, uh, in, in New York, LA, uh, I forget the other day. I mean, it's opening in Chicago. It'll be, it's, it's being booked in theaters around the country actually. So it's been fantastic. And the response has been great. I mean, you know, it was great to come out of the gate the way that we did because it won a few prizes and then, you know, it's just been really well received. So it'll be, um, it's, it's in a week. Excellent. Well, I will get this uh, recording out there and hopefully people will uh, have their curiosity peaked and uh, get out there and support it. I really love the idea of, uh, you know, 
uh, reality-based character studies on the big screen. I definitely hope it does well. Wish you all the very best, Kent Jones. Uh, right. Appreciate the conversation, and uh, we'll be seeing you online and in the theater. Great. Okay. Take Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye.